Welcome, everyone, to this special episode of On the Safe Side, a podcast hosted by the editors of Safety and Health Magazine, the official publication of the National Safety Council. My name is Barry Botino, and I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health. I'm joined by my editorial colleagues, Kevin Drewley and Alan Ferguson, to kick off our four-part National Safety Month 2022 podcast series. Throughout National Safety Month, the National Safety Council is offering free resources to the public, such as infographics, fact sheets, articles, a social media kit, and much more. NSC members also will receive exclusive posters, tip sheets, safety talks and webinars, plus additional resources to keep workers safe not only this month, but all year long. You can access NSC's National Safety Month resources at nsc.org NSM. During our National Safety Month series, we'll focus on a different topic for each week of June. For this week one episode, we will discuss musculoskeletal disorders with two National Safety Council experts on the topic, Lisa Brooks and Ram Michaela. Lisa is the director of EHS Networks here at NSC, and Ram is the MSD Solutions Lab Program Technical Consultant. Lisa and Ram, thank you so much for joining us on the safe side. Thanks for having us. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having us, Barry. What are some of the most common musculoskeletal disorders that occur in workplaces? As you know, the workers experience you know, MSDs or musculoskeletal disorders in the upper limbs, back or lower limbs. Upper limbs, typically neck, shoulders, and arms, and uh, lower limbs, typically hips, knees, and ankles. So the question is, you know, the MSDs, as you said, you know, they are the injuries or disorders of the muscles, nerves, tendons, joints, cartilage, and spinal discs. We have sprains and strains. You know, we hear tennis elbow, which is more of a tendon-related, carpal tunnel syndrome, you know, which more of a nerve-related injuries. And obviously, the back pain, where the pain can be attributed to various structures that surround the spine. The muscles and tendons surrounding the spine, we have the ligaments connecting the vertebrae, and the discs that act as a cushion between vertebrae, and the facial joints that allow mobility and the stability of the spine, and you have vertebral bones and the blood vessels. These are the typical MSDs we see in the workplace. Anything related to upper limbs, back or lower limbs, to summarize. Ram, if I could add, you know, these are a really big deal in industry. So in looking at the data that in 2019, there were nearly 270,000 cases in the U.S. So this is really the largest category of injuries and illnesses in the U.S. And it really is a pervasive issue worldwide. There's approximately 1.7 billion people suffering uh, musculoskeletal disorders across the globe, according to the World Health Organization. And this issue is costing businesses billions of dollars every year. And unfortunately, this issue is not going to go away anytime soon because as a population as a whole, we're aging. And as we age, the number of these musculoskeletal disorders unfortunately increases. So this is going to be with us for a while. So it's a good thing that the National Safety Council is really digging into this issue and providing resources to address this pervasive issue across businesses. What safety and health strategies or interventions have been proven to make an impact? Well, that's a great question. When you look at musculoskeletal disorders, 
and workplace exposures, you really look for these things called risk factors. These risk factors increase the likelihood of experiencing musculoskeletal disorder. And the three primary risk factors are force, repetition, and posture. And more specifically, say high forces, awkward or static postures, and excessive repetition. So in terms of interventions, we try to identify where are those risk factors, where are those employees exposed to high forces, static and awkward postures, extreme or excessive repetition, and then design them out, redesign the task, follow the hierarchy of controls in redesigning to eliminate the task, or redesign the test to minimize the exposure to those risk factors. And I think Ram's going to add a little more explanation on the hierarchy of controls. Good point, Lisa. Actually, the, you know, if you go back to hierarchy of controls, NIOSH recommends it. Uh, you know, bottom line is the very first thing we have to do is eliminate the hazard. If you think there is a problem, let's, you know, say the, we know that a job that demands heavy lifting Let's see if we can eliminate the heavy lifting completely. So you're eliminating the hazard. If that's not possible, right, you know, find a substitution. Okay, reduce the risk of the load using lighter weights, for example. Okay, or, you know, go for engineering solutions, such as, you know, as Lisa pointed out, redesign the job. If that's not possible, use administrative controls. Okay, so make sure the workers get an appropriate strategies to get a proper education or a training to perform the task. If all else fails, you know, in the hierarchy of controls, at least provide personal protective equipment, gloves, or, you know, slip-resistant footwear. And NIOSH, you know, and the CDC uh, recommends prevention to design, or PTD, uh, as a part of the hierarchy of controls. As Lisa pointed out, the emphasis is designing out the hazards, okay? And that is very, very important uh, so that we can eliminate the MSDs. How did the approach to MSDs change as many workers were remote, especially early during the COVID-19 pandemic? That's a good question. If you look at a majority, if you're looking at the remote work, I can say that, you know, it's more of an office-related work as compared to, say, manufacturing or a distribution. Most industries, unfortunately, you know, there was no written policy or guidelines per se for this new normal life of remote work. Employees ended up utilizing whatever they had at home or in their virtual office space. Some went for innovative approaches, as you know, such as working from dining tables, you know, foldable ironing board. The problem with that is that, as Lisa pointed out, the risk factors, you know, force, reputation, or the posture went out of the window. You saw quite a bit of increase in MSDs and obviously the Zoom fatigue as well. So majority of the office workspace, when we moved, toward working from home, a lot of MSDs started coming out because we didn't have a proper workstation at work. The most obvious connection was creating offices and office environments in people's homes and having and providing ways to do that and minimize the exposure to the risk factors. But we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the challenges that were faced for those who didn't work remotely, who were left working in the workplaces, the essential workers, both in manufacturing and in retail. We experienced short staffing and staffing shortages like we'd never seen before. So those who were still in manufacturing often were working longer hours. They were working um, with less people. So their exposures to the forces, postures, repetition, and their duration, the length of time that they were exposed 
made dramatic leaps, increases over the pandemic. So it was really challenging both for those working remotely and creating new workspaces, as well as those who who stayed in the workplaces because they were faced with different challenges, particularly at its root were staffing levels and getting additional folks. So this has been a trying times. We expect that in a couple years when we see really how this impacted our overall numbers of musculoskeletal disorders, that we probably experience a significant jump. So again, the effort that the National Safety Council is placing on understanding and addressing musculoskeletal disorders is really important and timely. How can workers help in interventions targeting MSDs? Ooh, that's a great question. So workers are, and worker involvement is really one of the fundamental pillars of an effective ergonomics program. Now, the employer is responsible for establishing the systems to identify, prioritize, and address the risk factor exposures to the workers. However, It can only be done effectively or can be done much more effectively if the worker is involved, if their input is solicited for identifying where are the biggest and hardest jobs, what are the potential solutions for those jobs. So we really have to have systems in which we engage our workforce. They do these jobs every day. Believe me, they have a lot of time to think about ways to improve it. It's important for the employers to provide avenues to get that input, and it's important for the workers to share their thoughts. The other component that's really important is for workers to communicate with their leadership when they are experiencing signs and symptoms of a musculoskeletal disorder, because we need to provide the company the opportunity to fix things before the signs and symptoms actually elevate into a full-fledged musculoskeletal disorder that requires serious treatment and or time away from work and or surgery. So this is an important question because any effective ergonomics program has employee worker input as one of its core components. I agree with Lisa, actually. You know, I think this has to start from the top. That is, uh, the employer or a management, you know, they should demonstrate that they care about their employees. If you look at the recent systematic review from Sweden, they said that, you know, training the workers to be peer coaches is associated with fewer MSDs. The authors also suggested that, you know, participatory ergonomics and the management engagement in collaboration with the workers identifying the barriers and mitigating the injuries at work, which is very important. So if I go back to, again, participatory ergonomics, we know that, you know, workers are the ones who know the best possible solutions for their work-related issues, getting input, you know, as well as the ideas for engineering out the hazards. I think getting all the stakeholders, variety of stakeholders getting into in terms of developing interventions, I think that's the key. Just sort of giving a very good example from my recent work in healthcare, where we looked into a safe way of proning the COVID patients. Simply proning is flipping the patient from the back onto the stomach, which is typically done with the eight employees. It's very taxing on the caregivers or the employees. So what we used is, you know, just to prone a patient, we used a ceiling lift. Sometimes we used a mechanical floor lift so that we can perform this task without ex- much exertion to the employees. That's where we use the participatory approach. Again, this is a perfect example of employee engagement to prevent MSDs. 
In what ways is technology changing how organizations and researchers confront MSDs on the job? This is a very, very important question. As you see that, you know, the much focus now is placed on technology in MSDs prevention discussions. We all heard of Industry 4.0. Majority is technology driven. But now people are talking about Industry 5.0. That is where human-centric, you know, anything you design, you need to focus on who, who is taking care of the work. So the most recent search, if you go back to the technology, is exoskeletons, exosuites. Uh, you know, these are the best examples of preventing MSDs. And same with the wearable sensors that measures physiological and biomechanical responses. You're monitoring the worker, even at the, on the floor or at the remotely, we are using the wearable sensors. Extending further, nowadays you see use of AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, computer vision, industrial and collaborative and service robots, and all these technologies are rapidly being developed, you know, to support risk decision making and uh, the development of MSD risk reduction strategies. It's very important. It is a very good question because I think we are going towards technology in changing how we can comfort the MSDs. But the problem with technology is that, you know, comes the privacy issues, safety, security issues. So I think we need to look into all aspects when we are going for technology-driven solutions. Yeah, that's great. And the neat thing about there's just so many new technologies being developed every day, and we are finding new ways to use these technologies to solve musculoskeletal disorder issues and, and reduce the exposures to employees. The neat thing is some of the technology is also being used on the risk identification side of things. So some of this AI is being used or technologies which analyzes employee movements and motions and helps us as safety professionals identify where are the biggest issues. And we use that information, combine it with what employees tell us to focus on where we want to start making improvements in the job. So it's helping us reduce exposures to workers and our employees and also helping us figure out where the biggest problems are. So we are really at a neat time in the discipline of ergonomics and MSD prevention and really starting to use technologies in new ways. What can be done today versus 10 years ago is absolutely amazing. Well, thank you, Lisa and Ram, for joining us for this special National Safety Month podcast series. To our listeners, we appreciate you spending some time with us, and we thank you for all you do to keep workers safe. Be sure to check out our other special episodes this month at safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash podcasts. And please stay on the safe side.